0: Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to
1: tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this
0: show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, October 5th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports Uh, I am one half of your hosting duo, the gentleman on the other side of the screen. He is the conspiracy to my theory. What else is he? He's the, I don't know. He's just a dog. Uh, He's my friend and yours, the one and only Brian Campbell. What's up, BC?
1: Uh, Hashtag fired the heck up, Luke. It is Monday morning. You know this show, right? We used to do a little. The little wouldn't do it. The little got more and more. Live, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, MK, all day, nearly every day. We back, baby. I'm fired up. Uh, fun weekend of fights, Luke. So we got a lot to get into today. Uh, and maybe we can blame Ron Johnson's greed and pension for buggery that Jay is also back with us after taking Wednesday and Friday off.
0: Yeah, did you miss him on Wednesday and Friday? I thought, you know, the, uh, we didn't really miss a beat. Well, that's not quite true. We, some things missed a beat. Is that Jay's fault or not?
1: I'm not sure, Jay. Can we bring you in just real quick, Jay? Because you know, I can't, I can't anger the the listeners. The fans, the fans here. don't
0: like the Jay interludes, but okay. Let's
1: yeah, let's go down to the aircraft carrier basement. Hey, Jay, um, you weren't yes, there on yeah. Wednesday or Friday. Are they are they slowly phasing you out? Is there, Are we in the midst of this? Uh, I don't know if I could uh, speak to that directly, uh, if that's a direct thing. Uh, I don't want the fans to think I was on vacation. I, I was not. I was just uh, working hard. I mean, you guys are, are very big now and require a lot of uh, time and effort and hand-holding and those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, uh,
0: Corey was there, though. Jeff was there. It was a pretty ki- killer time.
1: Well, Jay, just like in Lou Pearlman's backseat, in MK, there's no escape, brother. All right. <laughs> All right, we ride Luke, or die, long, okay? Luke, how
0: long did he work on that? What do you think? <laughs> All weekend, buddy. In the mirror, he was trying that out this morning. Don't think he was. <laughs> and, and true story, Senator Ron Johnson did get COVID over the weekend. I Ronald, saw that. We're not sure if it's the same guy.
1: All right. uh, details. A- the, the The crack MK investigative team is currently on that. Thank
0: you. Uh, right, a couple of news and notes, as always. Please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We're hitting record numbers and things to you guys. But we got to keep that train rolling. we got some goals. We've got some benchmarks we'd like to hit. We're well on our way, but we appreciate uh, that just the same if you haven't done it. Uh, also, if you want to try Showtime, who makes this program possible, please do. Go to Showtime.com for a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, well, you can go be a loser somewhere else. And, of course, I don't have the merch on today. Neither does BC, but you can go to store.show. That's S H O dot com you can get some sweet swag bc
1: yeah i don't have any near me but i've got a lot of it in my house all right shout out to the sweet mk swag you're going to want to be wearing this it's getting cold out support the cause international folks i'm working on it okay just like this shelving under here i'm working on it got back on the horse today on that peloton luke so i'm coming for it luke real quick you mentioned benchmarks what is your career high your pr on the bench this is something that people want to know
0: uh right around 400 Oh wow, wow. Oh
1: wow. Look at the big man. Okay.
0: Okay. I mean, it's not it's not as impressive as it sounds. Uh but yeah. All right. Uh okay. Well, with that out of the way, let's do this BC. It was um it was an interesting weekend in combat sports. October is a huge month for both boxing and MMA, but we start with MMA here and we go to Fight Island. First things first, Holly Holm absolutely just working over Irene Aldana. It wasn't even close, BC. Now, BC, I want to start with you first on this one. I want to talk about the implication of the win because it looks like home versus Durandamy two is what's next. But first things first, what are your thoughts and assessment of home after this victory? What did, what impression did you come away with?
1: Uh, three words, Luke. You know, three weeks out of her thirty birthday, Holly home. Still got it, and still got it in a big way. And here's the storyline coming in that we laid out last week. Holly Holm, she's an all-time great. She's going to have one of those weird legacies when it's all said and done because she has lost the majority of her step-up fights throughout her career. But she's proving that over longevity, over the evolution of her game, she is still that elite, very elite gatekeeper. If you want to prove that you are a legitimate title contender and you are of that ilk, you must beat Holly Holm. Irene Irene Ray Adonay just wasn't there. Holly Holm was light years ahead of her in terms of distance, technique, control, everything across the board. And oh, by the way, Luke, really, Holly Holm's career. You know, something that wasn't her strong game, that was a whole Her wrestling, her ability to take you down and control you, that has gotten light years better. Of course, she showed that against Megan Anderson a few years back, but it was on display in this fight. Age really doesn't matter for Holly Holm Luke because she works harder than anybody else. She's a willing student. She's humble. Really, this is the reason why... She's still a major star, right? The Rousey head kick mixed with her persona. She really is that preacher's daughter, hometown girl turned good type of deal. She's a hard-ass worker. She's still getting better somehow. And as we speak right now, there's no reason to talk about retirement, talk about her getting out of the title picture. Yes, she's she's only four and five since the Rousey fight. Yes, she loses almost all of her highest-level step-up fights. But, Luke, when it's all said and done, I really do believe Holly Holm is one of the greatest of all time.
0: You know, it's kind of interesting, BC. I was thinking about this. The, I'm going to make a case here, and let me make it before you say I'm right or I'm wrong. I would argue, and it's, it's certainly debatable. It's very debatable. But I would argue this is her best win since Rousey. So look at look at the other three. One was against Betch and that was a brilliant finish. But Betch has washed out of the UFC. It's not – that was a get-right win because she was coming off all of those losses. It just – it was she was completely overmatched. So it was a nice finish. But I don't know that it told us a whole lot about Holly Holm. Then the Megan Anderson one, that was very good, especially because, as you indicated, the wrestling was there and Megan Anderson, a natural -er, 145-er. It's very, very hard to, to battle someone who's naturally that much bigger than you. And then the Raquel Pennington win is validating because of how good Pennington is. But this one, you just got to see the totality of why Holly Holm is so uh, impressive and such a enduring figure in this division, right? She was getting backed up constantly, kind of like the Rousey fight. And every time she did, she was able to blitz forward or land combinations or exit out. She had the wrestling as she needed to, and she had the good wrist control. She moved to mount and kept it there for a while in the third round. She got credited with seven passes in this fight. You know, she got a takedown in every single round. She numerically and then qualitatively outstruck uh, Aldana in every which way, coming or going, backing up, blitzing, angling off, it didn't matter. This was such a great showcase of why Holly Holm is to be taken seriously. And The other thing I would say, BC, is you remember in high school, man, there would be sometimes certain classes that would have graduate the class of 2000, 2001, 2002, and some of them would have kids that went to MIT, some of them would have kids that, you know, didn't. Some would have kids that would get D1 scholarships, and some of them didn't. That some will get DUIs,
1: Luke, right? Talking about my class of 96 over here, yeah.
0: <laughs> that one, too. But here's my point. That class of women's bantamweight of the Rouseys, the Nunezes, who, by the way, just shows you how good she is, and then Misha Tates and Holly Holmes, that original big class of stars out of women's bantamweight, dude, they were not to be trifled with. That was a really exciting time for the sport because of the personalities and because of the talent. You can still see these up-and-coming figures at 135 pounds, and Aldana's a very good fighter. But it just goes to show that particular class of the Sarah McMahons for a time and space, they were really kind of special. Now, speaking yeah, of that well, class... One
1: more quick, quick thing I would, just want to add on to home real quick before you transition into what's next It's too easy to look at her run and let's say she retires after two, three more fights. We don't know. And just say, oh, one hit wonder, beat Rousey, never beat another big name again. And as of right now, Luke, you can make that argument. But her and rousey were contemporaries as you mentioned we know how rousey sort of flamed out the first time she took defeat it was almost like a mike tyson bully type situation once somebody solved her and took away her her invincibility it was over well another reason why she lost and was never the same is she never evolved i really want to give holly holm that credit for constantly being that student and evolving her game that i don't think it's out of bounds to say right now luke turning 39 very shortly she may have another giant win left in her to put, you know, sort of bookend that great career. It was the Rousey one in MMA that, that got our attention, that sort of put her in line to maybe become a Hall of Famer and an all-time great. But I don't think there's any reason to believe that she's not going to be able to get one on the other end. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where that 135 belt is going. Now we transition into that part of the conversation, but I really want to give her that, that, you know, high five. You saw nothing on Saturday night that would suggest she's going in the other direction or she's getting too slow or anything. I mean, she's big for the division, as you always say, and she knows how to limit her inefficiencies and really control fights. I mean, this was a another brilliant effort in that, and I think, oddly enough, she's only getting better, Luke. I didn't love the Pennington rematch. I thought she looked – there were some holes there. She's getting better.
0: She certainly is, and then that leads us to the question of what is next. Duran Demi got a huge win over Juliana Pena, defeating her – actually putting her to sleep, really, by submission, which I don't think – I think the odds on that were plus 2,300 if you had that, but she got it done. And so you're thinking to yourself, like, wait, well, what's going to be next at 135 pounds? B.C. is home versus GDR2 next, and if so, should we be excited about the different possibilities or wary given how bad the first one was?
1: Let's hit this hard, all right? Here's the deal. Should it be next? It absolutely should. The only other truly deserving candidate in this division is Aspen Ladd, who's coming off an injury and, oh, by the way, got starched by GDR in that controversial quick stoppage. This really is the fight to make if Amanda Nunes is going to hold on to her belt, and it seems like she is. It seems like people like us are the only ones, or me really, saying, well, you know, maybe they should make her give up the belt or maybe whatever. No, Amanda Nunes just had a child. She's coming back in December. She hasn't given any indication that's not going to be the case. So that's the fight to make the rematch. Now about that stinker in 2016, Luke. I kind of want to give him a mea culpa here. Last week, you know, we did three shows. If we brought up the topic of good God, I hope we're not leading. To home GDR two that first fight just blew blah 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 I don't know if it's the recency bias of seeing both home and Durandami have very strong performances on Saturday in which both really evolved again Holmes wrestling and Durand-Ami's, uh, you know submission game and ground game something that was never a big part of her what she offered in MMA I kind of like this rematch now and I think to make you want to like it and to make the viewers. Let's, let's put out a couple of things. First fight, absolutely blue. It was too tentative. It was two counter-strikers. No one really seized control. There were fouls. It just, it just wasn't. And that was a crappy card. It was supposed to be a big blow-up card at Brooklyn, the debut for UFC. And instead, uh, what do we have? Anderson Silva, Brunson, which was a crappy decision. And then you had this fight. Now, at the time, though, let's be honest. Both were sort of one-hit wonders in their style. Holm was coming off of two straight defeats and was getting a title shot. It was supposed to be Cyborg's opportunity, but she wasn't ready. And UFC couldn't wait, so they just rushed the fight out there. And then the whole setup of the fight was, here's Durant to me with a good resume, but you're probably not going to like her a lot. This is all about Holm's going to win this. She's going to become the two-division champion. She's going to go out there and fight Cyborg, and we're going to have this giant fight to announce the 145 division. Only it didn't go that way. The fight sucked, GDR barely won, and then she gave up the belt rather than fight Cyborg under what she thought was suspicions of PED use. So I think we were right to rip their performance and right on the surface to not be excited about it. But here's why you should. There's absolutely no depth in the women's divisions outside of strawweight. Yet these are two elite fighters, former champions, and they're going in there for a chance To set up another fight against Amanda Nunes. And I think when you add in the recent uh, evolutions of their particular games, we could see a much better fight than the first time around. All of those circumstances, wanting Cyborg in that fight, not feeling like Holm deserved it at the time yes, it it wasn't the right night for the fight and it sucked the horn. It stunk, Luke. I kind of like how tactical the rematch might be over five rounds between two kind of all time great women's fighters. It's going to be slow, it's going to be chess. But, Luke, I think when you add in what they can do on the ground, I think it's, it can only get better from here. I'm not against this. It matters. You can't really talk yourself looking at the top ten rankings into anyone else who deserves it. Let's do it. Okay? Don't make it a main event, but let's do it. I'm in. Yeah, I'm yeah, back. I think,
0: I think that's it. Well, if you, I, I, would, I wouldn't make it a pay-per-view main event, certainly because it's non-title, but I would like to see it for five rounds, I think, maybe. I mean, here's the thing. In terms of, like, should it happen, you're absolutely right, B.C., you know, it, women's bantamweight reminds me of men's heavyweight, where it's like that old guard. There's It's hard to get, and it's finally happening now, but it's hard to get that turnover because they just have this longevity there. Pena trying to break through, can't. Aldana trying to break through, can't, because Holm and GDR are still there as powerhouses at the elite level in this division. So there's no denying that that is the only fight that really makes sense at this point whether you like it or not. Now, to your point, whether you should like it, I like all the things that you raise. I think the last part is the one I would key in on. We don't really know exactly how it might go the second time. Maybe you put him in the small cage at the Apex facility. You don't do it at the big one at Fight Island. Maybe that might force some of the action. It's debatable, but it's certainly something you should think about. Do you want to make it three rounds versus five? Another thing to think about. But the key for me is, you're right, Holly Holmes, still an A-plus athlete, honestly, for 135 pounds you saw when she got the takedown she was able then to get you know cross side risk control move him out she is certainly a much more well-rounded threat than she was the first time and honestly GDR I mean she went through the meat grinder in MMA right she beats Holly Holm and then she gives up the title because she doesn't want to face Cyborg or she gets stripped or whatever and she got chewed up by the fan base by the machine And I thought many of those criticisms were valid. Why are you in a title fight if you have no intention of defending it against the number one contender who you knew going into it that was going to be the case? You shouldn't have done that. Okay, fair enough. But the amount of insults hurled her way. She had to reform herself. She had to find a new meaning. And coming out of that, she has been, frankly, kind of fantastic She pushed Nunes harder than Nunes has been pushed in a long time. She blitzed through Aspen Lab like it was nothing. And she showed new wrinkles against Juliana Pena in a way that no one ever thought. She was always just going to be the Muay Thai kickboxing sensation, the Iron Lady. No, she's got a whole lot more to her. And honestly, I think both of these ladies realize this title shot, if they win this match, that's probably, probably going to be it for them. Both of them are closer to 40 than they are 30. So I actually... Am I saying I'm excited about the possibility of a second fight? I'm cautiously, BC, cautiously optimistic that the second one could be significantly better than the first. And maybe, maybe even good.
1: Yeah, and GDR is almost more offensive now than she was four years ago. I like the matchup better at 135. And Luke, looking back at all those losses Holm had on the elite level... Outside of the Nunes fight, she was pretty much competitive with everyone. She was in that cyborg fight. She just got outpointed and and got hit with the harder shots. And, you know, the Shevchenko fight was a very interesting chess match, which she lost. She's been right there. And and Jay's right. I should move on. But she's been right there,
0: Luke. All right. With that in mind, let's go to one more sort of – I mean, GDR obviously was a big player here. I don't want to look over the, the fantastic win that she had at Fight Island. But the other sort of note coming out of it, point number two here on our rundown, B.C., Carlos Condit got back in the winner's circle first time since the Robbie Lawler fight. I actually think the punch he landed that dropped Court McGee in the first round was the best punch he's landed since the Robbie Lawler fight. So he basically outclasses Court McGee, drops him in the first, but it does go the distance. Brian Campbell, did you see enough in this fight to make you rethink whether or not Carlos Condit should look for the exit door as a fighter?
1: OK, he shouldn't he shouldn't be forced out or be told to walk away. No, he's got something left. But let's not fall, uh, you know, victim here to the to the fool's gold of thinking because, it, you know, we thought it might be a brawl between old guys. It wasn't. It was a technical fight in which Condon, you know, was the the more uh, athletic and skilled fighter. And he sort of fought on the outside and did what he had to do to win. Now he needed to. If he lost here, he's getting caught. It just really what is what it is. He should not enter into a fight where he's used to give rub to a rising name or he's pushed anywhere where, hey, you win this one and another, you're back into contention. I get why the UFC broadcast played up everything he had accomplished before and played up the idea of, you know, I get a win here. I'm going on another run. You're not. And I know that's harsh. I have full respect to the natural-born killer. Love the man. Luke, his reaction time is slow. He was in there against a a guy who just made sense matchup-wise, who he was able to sort of use a really smart game plan, switch stances, use distance, do what he had to do. There were times in that third round where he's almost doing bolo punches and he's kind of showing off. And I'm like, dude, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. We're one punch from from losing at any point. You know where I want to see him go? Where I want to see all aging fighters who still are fun and still have a name go. In fights against each other. It just so happens right now that we are blessed with a kind of strong senior division in the BMF territory if you're the UFC. So who should he fight next? He called out Matt Brown afterwards. Love it. Cowboy. Love it. Guida. Lawler again. Love it. Love it. Love it. I don't want to see this guy anyone near anywhere near someone with a pulse. I know he's only 36. But, you know, he's been fighting basically since a teenager at a very high level. Luke, tell me if I saw something differently than you, but you do have to consider who he was in there with. And I saw a guy who just doesn't have it for the truly elite level, but I'm not willing to follow him into a parking lot like BJ Penn to save him from himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm old as dirt, and he made his pro debut in MMA uh, at the same time I graduated college. I mean, sort of think about that for a second. You're right, 36 years of age, but he's been fighting in such a way that the miles are overwhelming at this point. So let's start with the credit that he is owed. I think you're right, that dropping him in that first round like he did, very impressive, didn't take a ton of damage because he was minding his distance, very good, showed eagerness to compete, cleverness, guile, right? Still had, to your point, something to give, where he did not need to be forced to the exit door in a way that you could maybe say for some other fighters we've seen more recently, right? Because after the Lawler fight, the worst loss he had uh, prior to um, competing on Saturday was probably the Oliveira loss. But even then, I think Oliveira was ranked barely at the time, Kiesa ranked, you know, Maya ranked, that sort of a thing. So this was the first time he was well outside of it. Now, it deserves to be noted that on the ground, there still might be some issues. He's never had great takedown defense, although he always had a pretty good guard and a pretty active guard in terms of his elbows from underneath. He kind of got someone here who would accommodate the stand-up a little bit more, and in ways, I think, that suited his style. But to your point, he got the wind. It was absolutely deserved. I want to see him against somebody commensurate in that way. I just think in MMA, we don't talk about what it means to have these wars. We talk about it in boxing a lot, but in MMA, everyone's like, oh, he got knocked out, there'll be no future repercussions for the future. Oh, they had a long war, there'll be no repercussions for the future. Even on the broadcast, you know, the broadcast team, and I understand that they don't have a lot of leeway because the UFC controls the broadcast, and so the amount of editorial license they have is limited. But no one on there was talking about the fact that, as we've said it a million times, and it's obviously true, the guy's never been the same since the Lawler fight. How could he be? It's one of the most insane things you've ever seen. It was a car crash times five. And so in, in recognizing those limits and then putting those limits into some kind of functional way – Uh, I think you're right. I think the Matt Brown fight makes absolutely the most sense. The Donald Cerrone fight, love that one. I think that's totally a no-brainer. You could put that anywhere on any kind of card. It can fit in on a pay-per-view. I wouldn't say it would headline a fight night, but you could put it on a fight night. I think fans would love it. You know, the Natural Born Killer, it's really unfortunate that a lot of folks missed this, the greatest time of of when he was around. There's so much turnover in combat sports fandom that these new crops come along post-con or even, you know, Post-Connor's semi-retirements, and they just don't know what it means to be Carlos Connor, like why he was so special. Dude, that nickname, the natural-born killer, it's very rare in MMA you get a nickname that's just not just sort of um, abstract and mean. But like, you're like, wow, that's really fitting. Like when Vanderlei Silva was Vanderlei Silva, he was the axe murderer. And you're like, wow, that's a really bold nickname. And then you watched him stomp on people, and you're like, oh, right, okay, that actually is totally... The perfect one. Dude, Carlos Condit was an absolute gem of a fighter, a fighter's fighter, a fan's fighter. That Carlos Condit, you cannot reclaim it. It's just not possible. We have biological limits. But should he be shoved out the exit door, BC, I think you're right. I think that Matt Brown fight makes a lot of sense. And we should note, credit to Court McGee for resetting his broken nose in the middle of that. Pretty goddamn impressive.
1: That was pretty gnarly. Luke, you know when those weird times when your wife's like, hey, Saturday, you mind? I booked us a double date at, at this couple's apartment or whatever. And you're like, you know, who the heck's this? Oh, you work with her? Well, who's her husband? Will I get along with him? You know those awkward. You're like, you know, so she's like, oh, he's great. And you're like, what does he do for a living? And she's, You know, he's like, oh, he, he's an IT guy. He fixed his computers. You're like, oh, crap, this is going to suck. And then you look at the <laughs> Facebook photo and the guy's an absolute nerd. And you're like, this is just going to be awful. And then you go over there and he's like, oh, hey, you want to try my buffalo chicken dip? And, oh, I made my own beer in the back. And, oh, by the way, uh, you like vinyl? I got this listening room. You're like, oh, man, holy crap. What a surprise, Luke. This is what these old guy fights are. How excited do you get when UFC announces a fight card? And You're like, okay, love the main. Co-main's important for the top ten. Oh, look at that preliminary main event. Old guy name versus old guy name. Let them bang. I mean, it's a gift to us as fans that we don't see coming, Luke. UFC, learn how to cultivate and protect this, or your guys will keep going to Bellator to make it happen there.
0: Yeah, and then the other part about it is, like, we saw one of these recently. We saw it with Cowboy and Anthony Pettis, and it's not like we went into it thinking, oh, nothing bad will happen to them. Either guy could have been knocked out in that fight. You're going to take damage. But you don't walk into it with the, like, existential dread that you do if it was Cowboy versus, you know, pick somebody at the top of either Division 155 or 170, you'd be like, oh, God, this is going to go poorly, man. And, and for what end? Just to build a name off someone, this vulture kind of way of treating the, the, the stars of the sport. And I get it. That is part of it, and that will never go away. But to the extent that you can guide someone and give them not so much a soft landing but not just boot them out the plane without a parachute – I think you should. And to that point, it's not like Condit hasn't fought you know, the next generation of guys to maybe lend some names to Oliveras, the Chiesas. He's done it. We talked about it with Anderson Silva and Derek Brunson. The guy has used his name enough to help out whoever was going to come next. Give the guy a bit, just a bit, BC, of a feathered pillow for yeah, him to go a, out the door. It's
1: the MMA Nursing Home Division. Come on, give it to him. Give it to me now. Thank you. Roll all right. on, all right? I, I can't deal with Jay in my ear. He's ready. I could see him in the screen. He was all perched up and like, like a gerbil, like all ready to, to attack.
0: He's got ants in the pants. Uh, all right, point number three, though, BC, we moved down the rundown. I got to go to you first on this one. I saw you live tweeting, and I was like, oh, this must be interesting. And then I turned over, and I was without words. Jose Cepeda fighting Ivan Baranchik. Am I getting the name right? I believe I am, Baranchik. This is easily BC in boxing top rank ESPN plus the best fight of the weekend easily in combat sports the best fight of the month arguably fight of the year and something resembling maybe one of the more interesting fun boxing fights I've ever seen. I want to go to you first. Let me just set this up for the fans. It only went basically 5 rounds, 10 seconds left in the 5th. There were eight total knockdowns. There was at least one knockdown in every single round and the guy who won Jose Zepeda got knocked down twice in the first meaning heading into the second he was already down 10-7 and he wins with a thunderous one punch shot Brian Campbell what can you say about the Zepeda-Barancic fight
1: you wrote the rundown fourth wall removed Luke of their topics this week you and I sometimes go back and forth we tweak it you wrote a question in there Is this the fight of the year? And I was actually insulted. This is the fight. This is one of the fights of our lifetimes. It's one, you know, it's the best fight of this century, not even a full year in, or I'm sorry, of this decade. It's one of the better fights of this century, Luke. Is it better than Corrales Castillo or Gotti Ward 1 or, you know, Vasquez Marquez or Pacquiao Marquez 4, you know, Provodnikov Bradley? I think it's just short of those, but I saw a lot of people tweeting that they thought it was right in that conversation. I mean, look, Bob Canobio, the founder of CompuBox, love that guy. His son Dan was tweeting that, you know, I just talked to my dad. He was ringside at Hagler Hearns, and he actually liked this one more because of the, the how competitive it was in back and forth. And I think the special sauce in this one, Luke, why you can compare it on the level of those great historic ones is this. Uh, there's many savage fights. There's many just all-out brawls and action fights, but sometimes those fights are missing character, okay? Rios Alvarado 1 from, like, 2014 is a great example. We thought it would be fight of the year. They both said they wanted to make the fight of the year. They ran into each other for six and a half rounds until one Mike Alvarado got knocked out. Everybody was like, it's one of the greatest action fights ever. It was really good. Didn't have much character. What does that mean? Go back and watch Gotti Ward 1. Swings of momentum, drama, drama, People getting, you know, obviously hurt. You see the emotion on their face and yet rallying back. Zepeda Luke, my favorite fighter at 140 pounds because he's such a beautiful, slick, counting puncher boxer, not known as an all-action guy. He's down 10-7 in the first round. Like you mentioned, he starts punching. He is forced to fight against an absolute savage in Brancic. And that momentum change just went back and forth, back and forth. Even to the level that right before Zepeda delivered that knockout, sick two-punch combination, he got dropped again right before that. And you're like, hey, Brancic might be finally putting a run together here. He might be on him. And, oh, he got put to sleep, and it was scary. I mean, I don't want to look over that. We love these Warriors emptying it out in the ring or the cage. Uh, I was, you know, on pins and needles like a lot of people when he wasn't moving for a long time. He eventually walked out of the ring on his own power. And then, you know, shout out to his co-promoters, Tony Holden and Lou Debella, who are tweeting out updates and pictures. He's out of the hospital. He's fine. These guys left it all in the ring for a truly all-time great fight. Some, you know, you need prestige. There wasn't a title on the line here, but this was former champion Baranchik in a number one contender's fight against Zepeda, who in his best fight up to date, I was there ringside in Fresno. I thought he beat Jose Ramirez, who has two of the four titles and is building toward that four-belt showdown now with Josh Taylor. Um, Zepeda secured a rematch now, you know, in theory with Ramirez as becoming the number one contender for WBC. So it had some level of prestige. It was a main event, and I got to give a shout-out to Tim Bradley and... um. Uh, Bernardo Osuna on the call there for ESPN. Plus, I thought they absolutely nailed it and were building as the drama was unfolding. Luke, it was an instant classic. It wasn't just two jobbers who got in there in a brawl. There was skill and there was drama. And I think anytime you can look at an Arturo Gatti getting up from that body shot against Mickey Ward and seeing the despair in his face and just knowing you got no freaking business getting up from that. We had moments like that in this fight. And to me, that's what separates... You know, a whole plethora, go on YouTube, of great action fights. There's a reason why we stick close to certain ones. This one with that back-and-forth pendulum. How do you get knocked down four times, Luke, as Zepeda did, and then win by devastating knockout? You don't see that. It was incredible.
0: Uh, there's so many things to say here. One, I want to echo what you said about Osuna and Bradley as the commentators, because they had a really difficult job. One, there were all of these knockdowns happening in the second round. Timothy Bradley on the broadcast implores the audience to call someone because there's a fight breaking out which i thought was really a uh, not poignant but uh, you know a pressing it kind of call right so that was that was interesting to me and then you had this really difficult moment with the knockout itself because barancic gets absolutely slept uh, if for folks who, who didn't maybe didn't see it it was something equivalent to what marquez did to pacquiao in their last fight i mean stone cold out smelling salts The whole nine yards, and he did not get up for a long time. So they had this exhilaration of this amazing knockout that had been a punctuating moment for this wild back and forth. And then they had to really switch on a dime to this, okay, well, is this guy okay? And they did it about as well as anybody else could. I really take my hat off to Timothy Bradley, a guy who has been in there with tough fights, who understands the price that the game will uh, make you pay, and Osuna, an experienced, dedicated broadcaster in boxing. I thought he did a phenomenal job as well. Second thing I'd say, ABC, is, listen, I'm not saying that the criticisms about top rank just you know throwing out dreck early on in the pandemic when they got back to action were false claims they were very real but credit where it's due they put on a very important fight for the wbc and 140 pounds more generally and it paid off so when they put on good fights even if you didn't necessarily get this result which was amazing but let's say it hadn't been as quite as good as this you still got to take your hat off to them good job on top top rank by getting it done i think the last thing i'd say bc is it just speaks to 140 pounds. You know, Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor, the two guys who are going to try and unify this, those are the sort of the, the guys who are leading this pack. But there's other ones. We just saw the two here, uh, Zepeda and Baranchik. But Regis Progre is on that title, by the way, or on that list. He fights on Showtime later this month. Victor Postol is sort of still out there as well. Um, Maurice Hooker. There are many other fighters in this division, and it makes it so compelling, so interesting, so stacked. There's a lot of permutations. You know, you could do Baranchik versus Zepeda probably down the line again. Even though Baranchik took a vicious KO loss, he was putting it on Zepeda for knockdowns, as we mentioned. And the thing about it was, the reason why Zepeda won to me BC is Baranchik was almost off-balancing Zepeda, like taking him off his feet with the punch, but not necessarily like driving through with him to like really take away his legs. Whereas Zepeda was sort of. Um, the better boxer finding angles, counterfighting, right, finding the moments through the defense. Man, that's like that's a styles make fight thing. You could do a gazillion oh, yeah. times if there's I interest. Mean, if I guys... love this division. I love the future.
1: I love that. And if both guys are equal on terms of their willingness, and that's what happened in this fight, you do a lot of times have to favor the guy who can throw the shorter, tighter punches. But good God, Luke Baranchik's toughness. I mean, he would pop back up from every single knockdown, not wasting another second trying to show the referee, I'm ready, I'm back. You know, Kenny Bayless did a nice job there. Although eight knockdowns in five rounds, Kenny Bayless missed one in round two. I don't know if you saw that when Zepeda got it from behind and, oh, yes. and, and hit an uppercut on Baranche. So there was actually nine knockdowns in five rounds. Luke, it was Shades of Prince Nasim Ahmed, Kevin Kelly, 1997, the Great Featherweight War. More on that to come, by the way, later in the show. But it it um why I like that Bradley comment about, you know, call your family. And Osuna said, call your familia. And I'm like, call Abuela. Get Luke Thomas' <laughs> mother-in-law in front of that TV right now. It's a callback to, to one of Teddy Atlas's great lines on ESPN. It was a Friday Night Fights war. It was Mickey Ward against Emmanuel Burton Augustus. He said, you know, call your friends. Call anybody. you got to see this fight. I love when boxing does this, Luke. This is a broken sport, right? It's the red light district of, 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 of sports. Uh, it breaks your heart a lot. But those of us who have gotten a taste, those of us who are day one-ish guys, those of us who have injected it at some point in our life, Luke, we can't quit it. We can't get enough. I love when these moments happen. When I'm seeing on Twitter all our MMA brethren are like, oh, my God, turn on ESPN right now. It's kind of what Max Kellerman likes to do for this long preamble he has, that boxing actually is everyone's favorite sport. And he always gives an illusion of if there were four sports going on at each corner of an intersection – everybody would be at the fight right and this is one of those reminders that you know you may be an MMA fan who's like you know I like some boxing but uh this reminds you why we love it why we stick through it and go through the mud because it is it was just it's so pure and gorgeous and amazing and my final point is this Tim Bradley Luke you remember his provodnikov fight right just savage blood and guts
0: the provodnikov in that one was disfigured when it was over
1: and to, to see Bradley go, Zepeda-Branchik was better than that fight, which, again, you're, you know, that, that's saying a lot. But to see Bradley, a guy who retired Luke in his mid-30s when he still had a lot left in the tank, you know, could have won another title, could have really you know, been in some pay-per-view fights, but he walked away after, his third, or after the, the second loss to Manny Pacquiao in their trilogy shortly after that. And um, it, was, it was amazing to hear him be this real and basically say on the broadcast, this fight right here... That's the reason why I got out early. I could still have been fighting, but watching this fight now, being, you know, humbly sitting here, you know, I'm happy that I did. And uh, it's kind of a contrasting point, because we're celebrating this great war, and here I'm complimenting a guy who's like, I got out so I don't have to be in more like this. And I'm just happy Branchick is okay, because when boxing is great, there's nothing like it. But Luke, often when boxing is great, there is such a price to pay. Uh, and these guys poured it all out in the ring on this night. Uh, yes. Thank you. Please. Rewi- I, see this fight if you have not seen it. Please.
0: I, I say this all the time in, in these words because I believe it's the way it should be said. People talk about how oh, he left a piece of himself. But, like, and that that is a helpful way to understand it. But I always word it. like You hear me say it all the time. MMA or boxing. Carlos Condit was the same thing against Robbie Lawler. You know, it's a sacrifice on the altar of athletic greatness. It's really what it is. It is I'm going to... Potentially disrupt my ability to f- function as a human. I'm going to affect my quality of life. I'm going to affect my longevity in the sport. I'm going to give up real important parts of my professional and maybe even personal life and health in order to get this win. Man, when they do that, people always ask me, like, you know, what happens when you have to give coverage to a fighter you don't like? Man, there's a lot of fighters I don't like, but the reality is this. Dude, when they get in there and they do certain things like you see with Baranchik and Zepeda, and that's that's a bit of a hyperbolic example, but it doesn't have to be that crazy. You know, I like Anthony Smith, but as an example, imagine I didn't, and he's handing his teeth to the referee. Dude, when someone does something like that, as a media member, whether you like them or not, you have to respect that. You have to honor that. You have to really be in touch with what they are giving away, and... I always try to remember that. That's what I say about Colby Covington. Dude, it, you know, he hasn't had wars like that. But it doesn't matter. If he gets in one like that, or he had something kind of close-ish. With, hey, Usman. With, he was in with, a war
1: against Usman. Usman. Come on, Luke. Okay,
0: but that's what I'm saying. Like, when that was over, people were celebrating his broken jaw. And I get it, dude. He talks so much smack. You know, you do that. The whirlwind is going to come back on you. I understand. But as a media member, BC, I know you would agree. When that fight was over, I took my hat off to Colby Covington. You have to. That was too much to give away. That was too hard to do for anybody who understands what does it cost here to do anything other than pay respect.
1: That's why I think you're one rewatch of Li Zhang Joanna from, from Burying the Hatchet for Good, Luke. And I can't wait for that day.
0: But, okay, but, okay, to your point, I don't like her very much. But did you see my coverage after the fact? Number one, I thought she won that fight. And I had nothing but positive things to say about her. You have to. You have to. How can you watch someone literally get disfigured through the course of five rounds, never take their foot off the gas, never do anything other than say, I'm going to die in here uh, or the, the, the time will expire in order to get this win. You have to honor that, man. And if you don't, I legitimately think you're a bad person. It is You are owed that. Uh, the fans can do what they want. But media members, I feel like it's a different ballgame. And Timothy Bradley, as now a media member, can articulate that in ways that certainly the rest of us cannot. Uh, all right. Now, <laughs> speaking of sacrificing something, let's move on to point four here, BC. I don't know what to say about this. Chris Weidman has been active on social media to the point where he has noted, I would like a fight with Israel Adesanya. And then on top of it, noting we have two mutual opponents and I did better against them than uh, he did. And those two then, Adesanya and Weidman, got into a bit of a back and forth. Okay weidman believes he would do really well against adesanya bc i'll go to you first again does chris weidman have a death wish
1: he does luke because i don't know if you remember a year ago when he was doing the same thing to john jones about moving up to 205 um look you gotta love weidman's belief in himself it's what it's how he got to where he was and could you make a hipster argument which he tried to make of look I beat Gastelum, and I beat him kind of easy, and that was before you went into a five-round war with him. You know, I'm a wrestler. I've got this, you know, the kryptonite for you. All that stuff sounds good on paper, and it is true, although, you know, can we not realize that Gastelum is an up-and-down guy and the Adesanya fight night, 236 Atlanta, I was there. He fought like a champion. You know, that was his best performance ever, so it's not apples to oranges here. Uh, Move away from the keyboard, Chris. I say that with love and respect. I know that... You came out and said, look, all those losses in a row against elite opponents, you still got a lot left. He did just bounce back with a win. I'll give him credit, Luke. I like some of the things he showed. But I I think he's on the other half of that. And, you know, it it was a great American poet, uh, Tupac Shakur, who once said, it's time to fight back. That's what Huey said, Luke. But two shots in the dark and now Huey's dead, okay? I don't think you really want this smoke, Chris Weidman. This would be a, a... a one-sided drubbing. And I do believe that Luke, and I don't think he's anywhere close to be earning it in the middleweight rankings. And even though, yes, he is a legend, you know, I don't think he gets the fast forward treatment that Jose Aldo got, or that Frankie Edgar got against Holloway, where you're like, we haven't seen this matchup yet. Let's see it. This B side old guy would sell. I don't have a great feeling about this at all. Luke, you know where I want to see Chris Weidman rematching Luke Rockhold. I want to see him against other old names who have vulnerabilities as well. You know, there's still something in there. Chris Weidman should not retire. But he should stop fighting Yuel Romero, and he should stop fighting, you know, that very elite-level guys because I think it's going to end badly for him.
0: I mean, here's the thing for me. Uh, everybody likes to say when an opponent or when a fighter is doing really well, you know, what would happen if he fought a fighter and I'll just make something up that had really good distance kickboxing or I'll make another one up, they had really good wrist control and takedowns and rides and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm always like, okay, that's fine. That might be somebody who could beat this opponent, this, this fighter that everyone is trying to figure out. Show me on the list who that is. And then you get to a point, you're like, that fighter doesn't exist. Listen, Chris Weidman, I think, has a point that if you could muster the very best of what he had which is the you know, the, the fainting, distance-closing, uh, quick shot, level change, on a single, on a double, against the fence, get him down. He does have good control, especially from Turtle, with those wrist controls and whatnot. But, but like that Chris Weidman we haven't seen maybe since the Gastelum fight, and again, Gastelum, a very different character, and then long before that, which is to say, Chris Weidman appears to me, again, and I understand, fighters, if you don't irrationally believe in yourself, you should not be a fighter. You have, you have to do what Chris Weidman is doing. I don't begrudge him the idea, excuse me. I don't begrudge him the exercise of going through this and believing he could do it because while it becomes a liability at the end of your career, it's the very engine that powers you through the beginning and the middle of it and then difficult moments interspersed. But to me, it's like what Chris Weidman is arguing here is that the idea of Chris Weidman would be a very difficult fight for Anderson, excuse me, for Israel Adesanya. Okay, but the idea and then the actuality, there appears to be a gap. I mean, he did beat Omari Akhmedov, and that's a very legitimate win. I take nothing away from him. But he only won two of those three rounds. He looked a little gassed. Even he was very um, uh, undercutting of his own performance. I, I think people continuously do not understand what they are up against with Israel Adesanya. And he keeps talking about it and saying... They all talk this, and then when they get in front of me, they don't do the same things they normally do. His takedown defense is better than people realize. His mind control is better than people realize. Everything he does is, in many ways, better than people realize. But you cannot bank on the idea of this fighter who can dethrone the champion, the idea of somebody who has all these skills. you got to look at what is there. Hey, if Chris Weidman keeps winning BC, I wouldn't mind seeing it down the road. You keep winning in ways that, you know, make it impossible for us to deny and, and make us eat crow, I'll be the first one on this show to eat crow. But that we are a long way off from that. And Adesanya has bigger fish to fry in the interim.
1: Yeah, and I don't begrudge if this if any part of this is Chris Wybin saying, look, you know, I've only got X amount of fights left. I'd love to be back in a pay per view main event with big time money. I don't begrudge anyone doing that. And I also don't expect him or any fighter to ever listen to you basement keyboard warriors like me. And you know, what the hell does BC know? Well, somebody does pay me for my opinion though. Okay. But at the end of the day, if any fighter ever listened to me sitting here saying, I don't think so. You're done. No, you know, you'd never see any of these great victories or great stories of comebacks, but uh, at the same time, this is not a style matchup. I think that even works. Even with the wrestling, Luke, he'd get lit up on the feet. You know it. I know it. All right?
0: Yeah. And the other part is the absorbing the damage. We saw it with Dominic Reyes. The wrestling was barely relevant because once he got a clean shot across the jaw, that was it. And that's the part about it, dude. It's like, again, it's the idea of Chris Weidman as the guy who beat Mark Munoz. Well, dude, that guy was, <laughs> that was in the words of LeBron James, a joggernaut. I mean, he was very, very impressive. He had... Just a, the incredible uh, improvisation, and he didn't have all those injuries, and he didn't have all those miles. Yeah, that guy might be something kind of different. It's just not what we're dealing with today. But to your point, we are just two jamokes giving our opinion. We don't know what is reality. How about this, so, Luke?
1: How about last, this, Last last, last thing, let me just, end it.
0: Let me just let me end it here. If he goes, like I said, if he goes out there and proves it, then we can shut up and we can tell each other how stupid we are after the fact.
1: How about this fight instead? How about for Anderson Silva's retirement fight in Brazil? Chris Weidman, the two guy, the guy that twice took the ghost from him, right? Like, let's just do that. It's a competitive matchup. Let's see it once and for all, all right? I, I'm I, complete, I
0: completely agree. I totally agree. Uh, all right, last and final thing. I noticed we didn't really get into it a whole lot last week, more than just sort of as a consideration about big fights the UFC could make. But there appear to be uh, appears to be, excuse me, some movement on this, two different ways. Okay. How might a John Jones versus Israel Adesanya fight look? And here's why I bring this up. They go on an extended social media back and forth, predominantly on Twitter, just killing each other for their various, you know, whatever. Okay. Dana White took note of it, and he was asked, is this a fight you want to make? He expressed pretty clear interest in doing it, and not in some kind of, oh, maybe one day. No, like, Ooh, we've got our eye on this kind of a way. And then... Shouts to the boys at Submission Radio whose names I had forgotten, Casper and Dennis. I apologize, fellas, because we love yeah, you very much. I think over it's here.
1: Casper with a C or a K. Or yeah, K, a C a and a P, and know.
0: it's a lot of different things. Yes, yeah. a K and a C. Nevertheless, they had Eugene Behrman on, uh, I think, their most recent episode, and in it, he was asked, what about a John Jones fight? Eugene Behrman has said, according to what uh, conversations with Israel Adesanya tell him, that it doesn't matter if that fight's at heavyweight, middleweight, 205. He wants it, and if Cannoneer, who has a big fight at UFC 254, can't get the quickest turnaround, uh, they would look to that one next. BC, how would a fight between John Jones and Israel arasanya look?
1: That's the question. That is the question. And in some ways, I want to and will kind of pin it back on you in one second, Professor Salt and Pepper, because I know you—you know—you slave over the stove that is watching these videos. 49 times, Luke, 49 <laughs> times, not, not 48, bro. Not 50. Okay. 49 times. Um, So we talked last week, why it makes sense now marketing wise. And you know, you, I mean, it just, it, it really does. It really does make a lot of sense. Now I am blown away that Dana White said it's the fight to make. How does it look? Both of you and I gave a sort of knee jerk. Like, look, there's a guy that's rising at the moment and it's not of Sonya. Can I imagine when those two trade touch gloves at two oh five? Can I imagine him having more success? Yes, I can. I get the counter argument of hold on, bro. We're talking about a skinny middleweight here. What happens when John Jones does what the pure John Jones does? Take you down and ground and pound you. That's a big element of it. That's a, that's why, you know, you love uh, matchups make, you know, styles make fights. You love the idea that I do believe Adesanya would have a distinct advantage in speed and in cleverness and, in a lot of ways on, on the stand-up. John's got great defense. I'd love to see how that chess match goes. Would I love John on the ground? Absolutely. But I don't think it's as easy to just count out Adesanya because he's a middleweight right now. Luke, you've seen his kickboxing career. He fought at cruiser and heavy. This is a real fight, Luke. This is a freaking real fight. And on the feet, I don't know if John would want to stay there with him for five rounds. So I would love to see what Izzy's takedown defense, which has been amazing so far, can do against a one of the best wrestlers in the history of this game who's going to have a big size advantage, Luke. I want to, I think I need to see this fight. I don't exactly know how it's going to look. So I want to spin it back on you. Um, Let's not forget John Jones let's talk about the advantages he would have can Izzy handle that size difference in the wrestling
0: i don't think the size difference is as meaningful as folks think it is i mean think about three of his last so excuse me two of his last three fights john jones the last one was reyes okay legit to of fiver i've seen him in person a number of times and I, we, he came to one of my pre-shows at sirius xm he's a big dude Izzy is, uh, I was next to him. Izzy and Dominic Reyes came to that party together, and I saw them stand next to each other. Izzy, had, I think, was certainly longer than Dominic Reyes and nearly the same stature. Not quite as sort of thick and muscle-bound, but still pretty close, number one. Number two, the other two fighters that would be on that list would be Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos, two former middleweights. Well, what is Israel Adesanya? He's a middleweight. I keep saying this with the Weidman case. I'm going to say it here again with the John Jones case. People have this idea that there's this, excuse me, they have the idea of John Jones, and then there's John Jones. Now, to be clear, John Jones would probably, I think, in an odd speak to this, be your favorite. There are numerous plausible scenarios where John Jones wins. His fight IQ is extraordinary, his well roundedness is extraordinary. But the reason why he was in those fights with Smith and Santos, uh, and in a different way, Reyes, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. It's because his defense is tremendous. He is hard to hit, and when you land on him, he's usually covered up in some kind of way, or he's very good at rolling with the punches to take away some of the impact. His takedown defense is maybe the best I've honestly ever seen. Just phenomenal. His distance management, quite good. He has what's called single-shot high variance. Doesn't throw a lot of combos, but throws one here, one here, one here, one here, one here. He, too, like Izzy, has good uh, sort of uh, jagged rhythms with his strikes. But his offense is not what it once was, and that includes his takedowns. He got two against Reyes. They didn't count at all. He got zero against Tiago Santos, and he did get three against Smith. But Smith, I don't think, has as good takedown defense As Israel Adesanya so I'm not telling you BC that he wouldn't get it but the idea that it's a foregone conclusion is absurd there's this idea of John as this guy who took everybody down including Daniel Cormier and then there's the reality of the last few fights John is what 32 33 he's got a lot of miles on him and this is the key insight for me BC John Jones is super smart he is not dumb at all is he obviously very brilliant too He is fighting in a way that I'm not going to call risk averse, but he apportions the risk very carefully. This idea that he's just going to go out and march down on Adasanya and grab a hold of him and take him down, I don't find plausible at all. I find it plausible he can get a takedown or two, or maybe more. I don't think that's crazy. But he's going to have to work for it. He's going to be very careful about it because everything we've seen in this stage of his career speaks to exactly that. The same thing that St. Pierre was doing. And those fights against Reyes and Santos and Smith, Smith a lesser extent, but certainly Santos and Reyes, very close. Very close fights. What makes you think that Santos can get a card off of John Jones and Adesanya can't? That Reyes, in my opinion, beat him and Adesanya can't? Why is that so crazy? People are overestimating the liabilities of Adesanya and they are overestimating rather the they're using the inertia of John's greatness because he's been so good for so long and just carrying it into 33-year-old John Jones who doesn't fight the way that he used to, even if I recognize BC, a very formidable threat to anybody in any weight class.
1: I want to ask you a question that I I want you to answer in 10 seconds or less and I want to make a point. Do you think Izzy could hurt John at 205 given John's legendary chin? Yes. Okay. With that in mind here, Luke, this is why I think John should go to heavyweight instead. Because, you know, we talked about I think he could have a second chapter there with the difference in speed. Look how great DC was when he got back to heavyweight. I think that gap really would allow John to be this almost, like you're saying, risk-averse to a degree, Floyd Mayweather-like ability to take a snapshot of the fight. And when the guys he's facing are slower than him, be able to see, like, the Matrix, you know, coming in and out and react that's why I think it's a potential bad matchup to meet Adesanya right now at 205, and which is why I want to see it so bad. Not because I want to see John lose, but because I think John would have the size, the wrestling, the smarts, the defense, as you mentioned, but would have issues with a faster fighter. And I think, you know, even Dom Reyes' speed and angles gave him some trouble. I think Adesanya would give him a lot of trouble. So I want to sort of piggyback this debate and ask you this. If you were Dana White, remember we saw – uh dana and the uh the uh the ferchitas you know drink the whiskey with with, uh with connor and make him a company man and plan out his career let's say dana and endeavor and company sit down with izzy right now would it be even smarter for them to say we want you to face john at 205 but we want you to go to 205 in general right now because this might be the time Mm -hmm. i mean Izzy's young ish but he's also, you know, in his early 30s with a, with a long history and glory. Could he also have similarly wide advantages at 205 against all the names right now, considering that division is reloading but not necessarily crazy deep? Is there anything left for him to prove at middleweight? Although, look, I get it before all the haters come at me. I know he doesn't have 7, eight, 9 title defenses. But do you think he actually should fight in general at 205 towards this idea of eventually moving up all the way? And right now, would he run the table against these guys?
0: Run the table, I don't know. I mean, you know, you zig when you're supposed to zag in the sport, BC. You know as well as I do, the margin for error is pretty low, which is why John's fight style is so smart, right? I mean, he knows one wrong move and the whole thing just comes, you know, one Jenga piece and the whole thing just comes completely tumbling down. So I think that speaks to why he fights the way that he does now. I would say, you know, I don't know that we need to jump the gun and push Izzy in that direction this stage. I mean, the Whitaker rematch to me is kind of interesting. A Costa rematch, I think, down the road would be interesting to me. He still has work to do in ear and maybe Hermanson. Hermanson also, I think, would be kind of an interesting fight based on the way in which he competes. You know, there's still some challenges I think that he has to answer for. And some days you have good days, some days you have bad days. You still have to show up as a champion and put your title up for grabs. And Anderson Silva doing that for as long as he did tells us that anybody who wants to even compete at middleweight for some of the accolades that he enjoyed has to do some of the same things. But I, I, I just feel like if you wanted to pick John Jones to beat Israel Adesanya, I do not in any way think that is crazy. Maybe even that's the likeliest outcome, depending on one's perspective. But this idea that like John's just going to run him over, take him down, pound him out, I, it, this is not in touch with reality. That is a hugely competitive fight, very interesting, and one with enormous stakes no matter what you do. So, BC, that's what I say.
1: All right. City cock boxing in the house. Love it.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, with that in mind, this is the portion of the show where we go to what you folks have to ask us. It is time now for DMs from dogs. And there's the dog.
1: Uh, all
0: right, BC. Let's go to our first question, if we can, from GameBread93. I do not believe this is Jorge Masvidal. They ask uh who is the smallest fighter that could go back and win ufc one? That's Ooh, great question. question that's a great question actually
1: but what this, the, okay here here's i gotta have a um i gotta Triple have you C? settle it though would they be as skilled as they are today because yes. you know the the lack yes. of skills that, all, right, all right
0: yeah yeah like you could say like, like, i guess what the question is asking is someone you could have now and send them back in time
1: I mean those big guys, Luke. at UFC one just—I mean they were—they didn't have—I don't even know if they had one skill. Some of them, right? Like there was there was some uh, all right, there was let's, some let's pretenders start, there.
0: Let's start here. Saint Pierre would beat them all, right?
1: Yeah, his combination of wrestling and and even you know even average to above average level of jujitsu. I mean I'm not—I mean he's you know he's he's an all time great, but even just that alone, I all think right. could beat a lot of these guys, right?
0: All right, so then let's go down a weight class. Could be.
1: Yeah, dude, he would uh, – yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't want to get too crazy here. I mean, because, you know, Hoist Gracie was a light heavyweight, right, when he was doing that? I know he was small, but he was a – he looked super mm, more small like a, against, I think more like,
0: more like Welter Middle. Remember, he fought Matt Hughes at 160. That's
1: – no, I thought he fought Ma- Matt Hughes at uh, – Sorry, Western, sorry, right? what I'm
0: saying, what i saying, 175. Sorry, yeah, five pounds above Welterweight, 175.
1: Okay, yeah. I, when I said light heavyweight, I was thinking boxing. One seventy-five is light yeah, heavyweight. Sorry, so I didn't, yes. sorry. No, that was my fault there. All right. So he's basically a middleweight in there against them. Yes, GSP is skilled enough and, and tough enough.
0: Yeah, honestly, Habib would, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say, say Volkanovski could do it,
1: dude. Right? Well, it, just to, to just to seal Habib their le- their understanding of basic jiu-jitsu, you know, outside of Ken Shamrock or people was didn't was exist. not there, was not there at all. And so- also
0: and also they have no takedowns. Like look at what Volkanovski can do. He can stick and move. They don't know how to trap him in a corner. They're big, but you know, the guy played rugby, couldn't he find a way? I mean, it's open weight, right? So he's going to come in at whatever weight he wants. Uh, he wouldn't get too blown up obviously, but the point being is, you know, he we have a little bit of uh, wiggle room. He could come in there, leg kick his way to just destroying those guys. They don't, they've never even heard of leg kicks or taken them before. That didn't happen until later on with Marco Huas, King of the Streets. So, uh, how big yeah. was Hackney? Remember, remember, uh, was it Keith
1: Hackney? How big was he?
0: He was a two hundred pounder plus.
1: All right, and he looked, uh, he also looked tiny in there against some of these guys. Um, we do have to remember that.
0: I mean, if you if oh, you, you know what? Guy okay, who, well, here's the thing: there was Emmanuel Yarborough, that big 400, 500 pounder, the sumo guy. So, yeah, because Volkanovski's not going to get him off of him. I don't I think. I mean,
1: like, I'm thinking, like, Keith Hackney's, like, a bantamweight just because, you know, your memory is tough. But if he's 200 pounds, you know, uh, could, could, the, could somebody like a Volkanovski hurt the— Because there are look Gerard Gordu, Gorgo, whatever, the guy that fish-hooked the guy's eye out. Gourdeau, uh, you yes. know that guy, that guy had some skills for a big guy. I mean, there were some—all right, there, there were a lot of fake guys, right? I don't, what I mean by fake is they had blown-up credentials, Correct. There were some yes. blown up credential guys. Yes. There, all right, there was some. There was some weekend warriors. Uh, you remember that guy uh, who fought in the wife beater and he had the mullet from Canada, Harold Howard Morgan or whatever, and he would do he like had, the. He had he had
0: the rolling thunder uh, yeah. was kick.
1: <laughs> if you're gonna come on, we got a saying in Canada. If You're gonna come on, come on, brother. Um, all right, I don't know about Volkanovsky. Now, didn't we see in the in the what was the movie that followed Hoyce's brother? Um. Through the uh, through the Japan tournaments.
0: Oh, the Hickson uh, documentary. Uh, yeah,
1: and there was a little guy. How little was that guy who was having Hoyler? success in those fights? No, Hoyler? no, the, the little the little Asian guy who was in Hickson's tournaments. Or not Hickson, the uh, other guy. The I've others. forgotten. I've forgotten. Alright, this is devolving into uh, that guy, the other guy. No, the other guy, the brother. No, the other the other brother. I'm gonna okay. say
0: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna
1: say Habib. Can I stop at Habib? I,
0: th- I think, and again, if it wasn't for Tony the Ferguson? big sumo guy, I would even say Volkanovski could do it. But just the ability to reach somebody like who's six seven or something, that's gonna be hard. But Volkanovski is a possibility. I think Habib was a lock.
1: Then again, BJ Penn. I know he didn't beat Machida, but he competed at a yeah. at an early time and was competitive. I mean, Tony Ferguson. I'd take. I'd basically level it out at at super elite lightweights.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. We go next to, I'm not sure what this one is. I'll put it up on the screen. Ood Player 88. Uh, which which one you'll pick between these two alternate fight careers? Uninjured Kane Velasquez or uninjured Dom Cruz which one would have had a more impact on MMA BC it's got to be uninjured Cain Velasquez right
1: absolutely because the competition at heavyweight the the skill and cardio level the advantages that he had over the field that's my great lament we've been through this a million times but cardio Cain you know the guy not C-level cardio Cain excuse me uh that guy Luke is The eye test, the greatest heavyweight I've ever seen. He still is. He still is, okay? That performance um, of
0: Brock Lesnar at UFC 121, I don't think folks understand how big that was. That was, you could feel he took over MMA with that win.
1: And I'm not going to sit here and excuse his loss to Verdum. He lost it. And Verdum's an all-time great. But you certainly can excuse the JDS loss, the first one, because of the knee injury and how one-sided the second and third fights were. I would have loved Luke to have seen him run that table, and even fight, a you know, as Stepe was rising, I would have loved that fight. I would, yeah, that's the guy. Dom Cruz, you got to give him so much credit for what he accomplished, in, you know, in and around all of those injuries. But I feel like the competition would have caught up with him eventually, correct?
0: I mean, here's the thing. Bantamweight, to me, the talent, has passed Cruz by, which is no, like, slight on Cruz you can't remain the top dog forever. Eventually, you will slide, and that's just the way things go. So it, to me, it's a function of the inevitability. Of the, the, the ocean tide will always win. You can't fight it forever. That's the way I look at it. To me, you could take the heavyweight, Kane Velasquez, that beat Brock Lesnar, and I'd still put him to beat any heavyweight alive today. Would you agree? Yes. As you look at your phone?
1: Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was teeing up the have you seen this shit, so I don't fall oh. behind when it's time. Luke, Did right? you not agree that oh. that
0: guy would still be very, if not the best heavyweight alive? very competitive with any heavyweight today like absolutely yes. could beat anyone on his best day he,
1: he was he was ahead of his time in certain skill elements in totally. that division too including stamina I mean he was you know way ahead of his time so yes that guy that guy beats them all I'd love I'm mean, a good good guy but I would love to see prime heavyweight DC against prime Kane and, and you know according to DC Kane wins that every day of the week but uh yeah Kane's the guy send send all your letters to uh at gmail.com to complain but Kane's the heavyweight guy all time I'm sorry he is it is
0: and I, I remember I'll never forget after he beat Brock Lesnar. The next headline on Monday was torn labrum from Kane, uh, torn rotator cuff, and I was like, oh yeah buddy you gonna have some problems and that was just the beginning of them uh okay
1: by the way i still would have liked to see what it had looked like if if didn't get him in 24 seconds i know you can't excuse that loss right he got not he got sent to hell but and i know his knee gave out too but i again would have loved to see what that fight would have looked like and he probably would have got a title shot if he won it so it's it's wild look it's wild all right
0: all right we go to liam o'brien bc and they asked, "Who is the better mythical fighter?" Speaking of which, c Level Kane, TRT Vitor, <laughs> Patient t- Gaichi, or Gracie Blackbelt Durandamy? I don't know, man. Gracie Blackbelt Durandomy is a force. And what's the end of the question? Up against next
1: matchmaker? What the hell does that mean?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, they just ignore that. La- uh, uh, ignore that. It's supposed to end at Durandemi. Just they, yeah. they, they fucked this up. Jake, uh, so who's, up, a better, who's a better now, the better who's better mythical fighter, is... C-Level K and TTR TRT Vitor, Patient Gaethje, or Black Belt Durandami?
1: The answer is TRT Belfort. That superhero from 2013, that chemically built and induced legend. I mean, look, that 2013 Vitor Belfort is Barry Bonds in 2001 hitting 73 home runs. That guy is a freak of friggin' nature, and I love that he combined it with the frickin' Mohawk and the crazy look in his eyes. Luke, you can't. I, there's not enough hyperbole for me to talk about how nasty those spinning knockouts were. Go back and watch the tape on the Rockhold one. Like that's the tightest spin. Like if that was figure skating, that's like the tightest ass spin to land a to land a strike that hard. And he did that against he- Dan Hendo Bisping and Rockhold. That's like the greatest year in Miss. Look, we could do this one day. We could fill a whole podcast debating the greatest calendar years for one fighter in MMA history. 2013, juice to the gills Vitor Belfort is my man. I will put him up against all your heroes and he will win, okay?
0: I'm still going to say sea level Kane, but the reason why is because Vitor was um I mean this was proven, he had super elevated levels of testosterone when he fought John Jones. There's actually documentation to this fact and he still couldn't beat John Jones. So, granted that was the prime John Jones.
1: He almost did. He almost did. Okay? He almost did. He fucked up his no, arm, no but he still did He almost did.
0: C-level Kane, to me, is. I'm still going to go with that. But I, I would. if we had to make a power ranking, I would go C-level Kane 1, TRT Vitor 2, and then probably patient Gaethje 3, Durandamy 4. You would go, what, Vitor 1, Kane 2, Gaethje 3, Durandamy 4? How about this? How about this? 2013,
1: both healthy. Matchup Monday. No drug testing. Mohawked? Belfort on TRT against Kane. I know you have to favor Kane, but I like the the possibility that Vitor can catch him. All right, he look he was a he was a superhero. He was a a he was a laboratory creation.
0: You're over, you're, you're treating him like he was Bane from Batman, like he was born Watch in the dark. Watch the
1: freaking fights; they're like a minute each. Uh, bel- just believe me, I was there. Co- I was
0: I was there. I'm just simply telling you. Um, First of all, he didn't have a mohawk. He had like five haircuts at once. He had like a mullet, a mohawk, <laughs> like a faux hawk in certain places. I mean, he, he had a lot going on over there. There
1: were different time zones and different, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on there.
0: Uh, I agree. He was very, very much a force to be reckoned with, but still, C-Level King gets my vote. All right. From Danny Warnerg, if you were a genetics mastermind, BC, wanted to clone and raise the next best ever MMA world champion or movie villain, and could crossbreed any two fighters, whose DNA would you pick, and what discipline would you have the toddler train and master at primary? As, excuse me, as a primary specialty.
1: Now, crossbreed means, like, like right now, Maheta and Yana Kunitskaya are crossbreeding, right?
0: That's right. They are sharing their genetics, potentially, uh, to right. make a super job. Under
1: this scenario, we don't get to watch the crossbreed uh, taking place. Okay. Uh, Luke, this is, a, this, is
0: an, this is an interesting You're question. You're going to get us fired.
1: <laughs> Why don't you take it, Luke? Why don't you take it?
0: All right. All right. I'm going to say, I mean, just pick your specialties, right? What if you, you know, look at your pound for pounds. It's pretty simple, right? You could pick a St. Pierre and then a Adesanya or a St. Pierre and Jones or a Jones and Khabib or – you know, Khabib and uh, Volkanovsky, or, you know, just pick oh, someone who's really was, good one way. Uh, and... And then...
1: Sorry to interrupt. I assumed it was a female and a male, Luke.
0: Why would you? It's a genetics mastermind. You don't need to wait for people to fuck to get a baby. Just <laughs> pull some DNA and make it in a laboratory, D-bag. <laughs> BC's like, okay, who's fucking? Let's make a list. <laughs> <laughs> is Rocco in this discussion at all, Luke? He's like <laughs> right, Nacho seriously. Vidal and Fabrizio Verdum. Let's see what happens.
1: <laughs> uh, the lo- Amanda Nunes and Rocco. There it is. All right. It's like, it's like John Jones and
0: Asa Akira. Let's see, Let's see which way yeah. this goes.
1: Yikes. All right. Thank you for your questions, people.
0: We got any more of these, Luke? We got one more. From Fucks Widja. That's the real thing. Fux nine zero one three. Can you imagine telling a person at like a cocktail party for like LinkedIn? Oh, what's your Instagram name? I'm Fuxwidja nine zero one three. My email is bootyeater69 at gmail.com. Please, I'd like this job. Anyway. They make MMA illegal. All fighters are sent to prison where each weight class is a gang. Due to an error, BC gets sent to the women's prison. Which gang do you give yourself to For sexual slavery slash protection. (laughs) Luke, same question, but with guy fighters. I got to fuck the guys? Really? (laughs) That doesn't seem quite fair. I don't even
1: know if I understand the question. My answer is still strawweight, 115. All right, so let's say this. Every day of the week. Yeah, so
0: hold on. So they send all MMA fighters to prison, and the gangs are essentially the weight class. You get sent to the women's, uh, you know, prison. Who are you? Uh, the, who, which which weight class? Which gang are you in?
1: Whichever one has Amanda Nunes, right? I mean, so the toughest fighters are what? Thirty five?
0: I mean, if you got, I mean, here's the thing: one fifteen is pound for pound better, but Amanda Nunes, you yeah, know, that's the queen bee. Like you gotta, yeah. you know what I mean? Like
1: that's I mean, the protection yeah. I would want. Yeah, this this is a weird question. A very weird question. Reminds me of a movie I just watched on Prime. Um a brawl in Cell Block 99, 99 or whatever. Did you yeah. see that with with Vince? You, asked me, you that, asked me
0: about that already. Yeah, we, we, dude, we, that I think thing we is
1: real fun. That's a real fun flick. Okay, it's ridiculous, but yeah. yeah
0: all right, well, I gotta I gotta go with uh, Jesus. Which guys I am I like sexual legs. slaves to? For crying out yeah, loud, this, this is, is a...
1: this. I don't. Yeah, this is this is getting weird. Okay, this is.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna just say I don't know, but all gangs in prison are sorted by race uh okay now is, your, is your
1: roommate is your roommate war machine or what is how far are we going with this scenario? yeah fuck
0: that i don't care to do this anymore uh Thank all right you. <laughs> you got to go to the women's prison fuck you bc all right with that in mind sir well you know what they always st- set us up bc with the weirdest question leading into the weirdest segment so sir the the reins of the show are yours
1: yeah, you know what we do in these parts. Jay, can you hit me with hit me with the horns, Monty? Thank you. Uh, we scour the globe each week for the highs and lows, the in-betweens. Luke, it's have you seen uh, this? Luma. Check this out. It is women's um, straw weights. Check out Luma Lubunmi here against Jin Yu Fry. Luke, her uh, t- tie clinch was sick. Look at the elbows, the the slicing forearms. That was a vicious performance.
0: She's a beast, and apparently, like... You know, this was, like, a, she was, like, a really uh, decorated TIE fighter for, uh, you know, on the women's side. And, you know, you can just see the difference. They're strong in the clinch, man. They got great elbows there. And, by the way, like, Fry, you ever seen her in per- I interviewed her in person. I'm surprised she never got into bodybuilding. She has the perfect genetics for it. She is bricked up. And you can still see her struggling to deal with what uh, this uh, TIE badass could do.
1: Yeah, I'd be her jail roommate, I guess, under that last weird question right there. Yeah, no right shit. That was a nice victory from Lubunmi there. Uh, very very good in the clinch. Let's roll on here, and I want to give you a piece of beauty this weekend. A lot of people passing this around from ACA 112. It's UFC cast-off Magomed Bibulatov. Bi- How do you pronounce Bibula-
0: that? Bibulatov.
1: Bib- Bibulatov. Bibulatov. So what happened here? He got cut, and he's got um. He got, he, cut off of, or he
0: got released off of a win. I'm not sure why. He is super close with Ramzan Kadyrov. You can look at his yes. Instagram. You know, he's the buddies with him, but the dude can fight his ass off. There's no this doubt was a about piece it. Of
1: beauty. Luke, this is spinny shit gone great. This is as great of a knockout as we've seen. I mean, that's just – that's Terry – I mean, Terry Adams style, right? Like, that's just yes. insane right there.
0: Let me just say one thing. This is at a, uh, ACA, which is, you know, they're pretty heavily affiliated with a lot of the Chechens and the, the Dagestanis, and there's a lot to not like about the politics here. It might be yes. the second best promotion on earth. It's, it's, they, have, they have a case to be made for it.
1: Jay, can you play the next slide? We have another angle of this KO, Jay. It's just—it's so good. You got to—you know—a wow. kick so nice. You got to see it twice. That is wow. Have you seen <sighs> some again? Wow.
0: Hope you got a good dentist player.
1: Oh, mm. wow. Like I always say, like in WWE, the floor should just open up and there's a coffin just waiting there. Look, that guy's ready. That is crazy. Wow.
0: Yes. Face down. Who's, yes
1: all right speaking of head kicks uh check out this victory shout out to the one-armed man this is not the fugitive i don't know what corp what fight promotion book this luke but shout out to this guy
0: dude is this like the nick spinning. newell's acolyte
1: yes spinning a head kick ko and he's in the pink tight the pink tighties on top of that luke what Dude, you,
0: you lost to yeah this guy lost to an overweight pink tidied one-armed guy but you know what that dude in the pink with the one arm, you know he's been bullied for so long. He's actually probably developed oh, yeah. some, some decent knuckle game.
1: Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's on the up and up. It's a clean kick. I mean, wow. Yeah. That's, that's Shout out to that guy. He's an inspiration, Luke, to all people. Thank you. All right. Hey, Luke, do you remember um, when Canelo Alvarez started getting weird tattoos on the inside of his left arm and then he got his wife's eyes on the outside of it? Uh, <laughs> your thoughts on that real quick?
0: <laughs> 99% of tattoos are bad. Just got all right
1: it. well speaking of that uh the great mike perry the ufc welterweight has taken this to the next level not surprising coach latori's name is now tattooed on the inside of his bottom lip she is carrying his child and is uh staying active on twitter working out on, on instagram so um your thoughts on this level of dedication and love from mike perry
0: uh, very on brand uh, i'm not sure what to say that is you know Trying to get him to be like, would you ever regret getting this? That is not an answer you're going to get from him. It's not going to work.
1: No, I would like to do that question over the phone only, Luke, okay? I don't want him knowing my face. Yes, thank you. All right, let's roll on here. Uh, You know who's been hitting us up a lot lately? Scott Marshall, one of our viewers at Anya Berry. Look at this video from The Dark Knight that he put together for this segment. Have you seen this shit, Luke? Uh, Very on brand, Luke. There's you, okay? Here's me presenting the ish.
0: As the Joker. But that's not even the good one because he doesn't kill him in this scene. It's the other scene.
1: Yes. Uh, thank you, please. As always, the people sending in their creations right there. Not everybody can be web screen, but we sure do all try. We got another great viewer at Bourbon and Memes on Instagram. He What's asked, "Look, a- apparently things got weird <laughs> between betw- between B.C. and Luke in the hotel room. Here's our uh... offspring, Luke. Twenty something years later, after room service diaries." <laughs>
0: that kid is amazing look at this guy make him why isn't he running for president i'd vote for him uh, <laughs> i think we go to the same barber this is great i
1: don't really know what's happening here look at that belt it's made out of a paper plate but uh yeah,
0: that is great i love this guy he's amazing the,
1: all right hey let's go on here luke you love uh human on uh, or animal on human violence uh yes, we know cows course. eat grass luke look at this guy tossing a salad what is going on here
0: i'm this this i'm very jealous of this cow <laughs> i don't think i've ever said that before <laughs> in your life have you ever said you were jealous of a cow no no he's but
1: he's going for it he is going for it right god there. god
0: bless this animal
1: <laughs> well the first thing i make him do is toss my salad with jelly or maple syrup thank you thank you thank you okay let's roll on here luke uh marriage proposal time look at this it's romantic it's two boats luke you put the two boats together. You present the ring. She's touched. Look at this, Luke. But then you lean on the gas pedal
0: by accident.
1: <laughs> Did not is, go as planned. Did is not there a, go. Is,
0: do, I, you know, I'm not rich enough to own a boat. Do they have like a park? Can you put it in park? You know, <laughs> like an e-brake.
1: Yeah, whatever uh, it was. They no. did She had to no, crash into something. Not. I mean, she took off right there. That is uh, insane.
0: That is amazing. And she took him with it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is a metaphor for your future. Look at so this. Right, oh, right oh where, she kicked him.
1: Right where she's standing, there's a throttle, and her hand is basically on it. So the boat's in neutral right now, and then she leans on the throttle and bye bye. Of course, Jay would know how to how to operate a boat here. Wow. Uh, yeah. Jay's very independently wealthy as a successful and award-winning director. People don't realize that. All right. Hey, let's roll on, Look, I, I got a all little those, football. All those
0: no escape uh, royalty checks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Him, right, or or maybe the uh the non-disclosure agreement he signed after that with, with Rod Johnson. All right, uh, Jay, yeah, we're just having fun here. Jay, a little footy for you this week, Luke. Check out this guy Barrera, Barrera from the USL. Have you seen the scorpion kick goal? This is some good stuff. Max Bretos serving it up on the Twits.
0: Wow. Yeah, USL yes. is USL is low level trash, but uh, that's a nice little highlight there.
1: Like, are you telling me you could get in shape for a year and like make that make the USL as a def- as a defender? No, I'm telling you seeper? that
0: soccer is so difficult that these guys would be better than we ever would, and they're still shitty compared to like the rest of the world. This that's is bad this on is McCauley, less. Though. This is less than MLS. Just to give, put All it in right. perspective.
1: Well, speaking of footy here, check out this kick-save by this guy. He's got the groceries. They're leaving the establishment, but the toilet paper falls. kick save and a beauty, Luke. Oh, you impressed?
0: Oh, man. If he didn't get a Hummer for that, that is <laughs> unbelievable. If he didn't get one, call me. I'll give him one. <laughs> well, they have plenty
1: of cleaning solutions in, in their arms for that, so that's great there. That Look, is right.
0: unbelievable. That is great. Look at that. Uh, ah. Streets-
1: let's take it to the streets. street fight of the week here's spinny shit gone from bad to good luke and i'm not talking about the matchbox 20 oh my God.
0: first elder- of all he's
1: wearing a pink shirt oh it, it, see the video it doesn't play the full length so he kind of slips on, on his first spin attempt but then he lines it up luke and he tells sends that old guy to hell at the is that, is that florence and normandy right there where are we i don't know but this elder
0: abuse i can get behind
1: this is Florida. Wow. This has to be Florida, Luke. This has gotta be Is that a Morning Combat t shirt he's wearing right there?
0: I think it is.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Luke, as an adult, all right, you're not looking to go third world on anybody, right? You're a professional. No. Everyone's got cell phone camps. But if it happened, if somebody disrespected your 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 wife in public on the streets of DC, would you consider this the, the, the Barbosa on Adam spinny shit? Would you would you? Uh could you lift your leg above your knee level?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, well, I couldn't do this, but, you know, would I, would I tolerate this level of violence? You know, because he didn't, like, hurt him too bad. Bah! His head doesn't really, like, smack the ground. Yes, I would tolerate this.
1: All right. That's a lot of pink that guy's wearing. Shout out to him. Let's go on. Speaking of public fighting and spinning everyone,
0: stuff. Everyone you've shown with pink during this, have you seen this shit, has fucked up the other guy.
1: That's true. Check out this road rage incident. This guy in the BMW oh, just he spat spit. Him. He just spit at the SUV, Luke, and he casually walks away. It's revenge time, but Ooh. that spitty stuff gone wrong, Luke.
0: Yikes. Dude, and he rolled the window down. Don't do this shit, man. So he got Don't. spit on, and he got
1: flipped, Luke. Yikes.
0: Bro, I tell people, stay the fuck in your car. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah,
1: unless you have third world skills and a penchant for, for violence there, and death, don't, just don't mess, there's too many people, you, you can't cross people anymore, Luke, you know, back in the day, you could get in a good fist fight on the side of the road, now no. they'll kill
0: you. Yeah, don't be doing that. No, no. Yeah, All this right, is a lesson right. in, you are not who you think you are.
1: All right, check out this hidden camera pick up here in a bar, Luke, this is everyone's dream, right? Didn't we learn that in office space, Luke? <laughs> two at one time what is happening here dude
0: what is that like
1: yeah that guy uh that guy's like
0: 2013
1: belfort there he just needs a mohawk he's living he is l-i-v-i-n luke
0: dude that must be fun
1: oh wow
0: right how many times how many times did you go to the bar and this happened to you bc
1: (sighs) i've seen a movie start off this way all right
0: wow good for him
1: yeah, yeah. Shout out to that guy. We got it. We got to. Sometimes you just got to take the L in life and, and, and salute those who are who are winning. So, sir, we, we do we do pass that on to you. Yeah, I'd, right, I'd send Luke. the
0: guy a shot.
1: Luke, you got all kinds of angry and uptight on the morning combat set in the uh, in the Mohegan bubble that I almost broke that table because I was so passionate about Charlo Rosario. Check out the passion from this TV segment here. I don't know what country this is, but uh, hopefully they're Armenian, Luke, to shout out your folks. Uh, a dispute breaks out, and watch out for the table, Luke. Tables, ladders, and chairs. That's about as well made as the morning combat table. Let me tell like, you from experience. As, so-
0: as someone whose mother is from the Middle East, this has to be Middle Eastern. <laughs> this has to this be. Is,
1: this is tea time in Doha, Luke. This is like another, this is regular Tuesday. This you know what? Great, based,
0: right? ba- based on what I see in the background, it looks like it's Jordan. looks like it's Jordanian. I yeah, could be wrong about is... that.
1: Luke, I uh, you know,
0: if you... Which yeah. would be very on brand. Haven't you seen, like, all these other parliaments... And it's like, you know, they're trying to model American democracy, and then half of the time it's just like 50 it's – like, it's like a roving gang of football hoodlums fighting each other over, like, tax increases or some shit. This is very oh, yeah. on brand. Honestly – I love it. Honestly, would you – I would have much rather seen Biden and Trump do some shit like this, right?
1: Oh, yeah. We were, it looked like we were close there. It looked like we were getting there, Luke, Okay. All right, so stand, stand, stand back, stand ready. Here we go. Let's roll on here, Luke. Uh, skateboarding, I don't mess with it because there's so many injuries you can have happen. Like, check this chick out, Luke. Here. Oh no! All right. Oh god! It's like a like swiping the credit card at the uh, at the self uh, register at Sh- a Sab- Luke. That it's is, like the, uh... it's like the
0: it's like the Nelly tip drill video.
1: Oh god! Golly! Yeah, oh. All right, let's go away from videos. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, Luke. How about you share a few words on this one?
0: I bet she's fun to party with. I wouldn't take her home to mom, but
1: uh,
0: I might have a couple beers with her. Yeah,
1: I'm right there with you. Uh, Let's go to Awful Haircuts, Luke. Uh, They say everyone else is playing checkers. This guy's playing chess, Luke. (laughs)
0: uh can you imagine walking into the barber and it's like i want you to give me something super intricate that will guarantee i never get laid again and the barber's (laughs) like say no more fam i got you oh
1: wow all right let's do a little old school tip to tip check this picture i remember bradley newell said um effing fighting it's all the same luke that's tip on tip brother i don't know what's happening right here
0: clinch break drills i guess
1: yikes all right that is great and to close on the picture segment uh this old look at abuela this old lady's got (laughs) look at the unit on abuela here you got to be careful Luke, how you hold that stuff oh god
0: and bro you insult her you insult her akiako she'll beat you over the fucking head with it too don't think she won't yes uh, by All the right, way, Hoagie speak- Farts MVP of Have you seen this? Show?
1: MVP as always. Speaking of Abuela, Luke, let's check in on her. Look, if you're going to go to the, the sporting event on February first, don't don't be on your cell phone during an NBA game, please. I mean, just wow.
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what
0: do you oh. think they were looking at too?
1: What do you think they were on Pinterest looking at Karen's curtains? What's going on?
0: Wow. Yeah, Gosh. dude, they were they were definitely on Etsy critiquing one of their neighbor shops
1: yeah exactly this is yikes wow all right we close with this luke uh we have an instagram viewer at at ya's bite year uh luke <laughs> he's come up with his own mk poster pound sand with luke thomas and brian campbell and that is conor mcgregor ready to throw a uh a ground and pound down uh, is that Tatooine right there luke i like this i like this one.
0: I'm not sure. You know, the first time I heard pound sand, I was like, what the hell is that even supposed to mean? And the guy who told me goes, you ever pounded sand before? I'm like, no. He's like, try it. You won't get anywhere. I'm like, okay. That sounds, sounds about like right.
1: You're your Marines instructor, Luke. You're sergeant. Like, drill
0: sergeants, Drill sergeants are in the Army. Drill instructors are in the Marine Corps. Get it right. No,
1: there's no such thing as an ex-Marines drill instructor.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good, VC. Yeah. Is that it? That's all we got? All yeah, right. With yeah, that-
1: you've seen you've seen it all, Luke. Let me get- let me scratch this itch. All right, go for
0: it. All right, with that in mind, good sir, it is time for odds and ends. What do you got for us?
1: Uh, hey, Canelo Alvarez. Remember, we saw that report that came out of the Athletic that DAZN was looking to. Um, not pay its $35 million per fight guarantee to him, but offer him a middle-of-the-road, hey, we'll pay you 20 per fight. We were wondering if he was going to accept that. It looks like he's not, Luke, as he refiled his lawsuit in Canada, California court against Oscar, Golden Boy, DeZone. The first time around, he had um, screwed up the location. Uh, there's some kind of legal mumbo-jumbo, but the lawsuit is back on, and I don't know if you saw that tweet. You, I think you did. You retweeted it from John Nash, who kind of dug through it, and it looks like one of the major points of contention for Canelo is that Golden Boy was so public in announcing and parading his salary and what he was guaranteed from DAZN for each fight. And what that did was uh, it was tough finding any opponents for Canelo because every single person was trying to ask for five, ten times the amount that they you know would normally or deserve in this circumstance. Um, you know, whatever on that, Luke. But uh, this is back on. I don't know how this is going to end, but... Um, this guy's going to be a pretty big-ass free agent in the box game, all right, if, if if this ends poorly or, you know, if we have to go through a long, long process to get there. Could you imagine the fights you could make elsewhere with Canelo? And I think he's almost really getting to the point where he kind of should just piecemeal himself at this point, right? Fight on any network he wants. When you're at that Floyd level, right, you should be able to just sort of call your shots. I actually hope Canelo gets that because, Luke, he's always willing to fight the best. Let's see him fight the best all he needs, the
0: time. He needs somebody. I don't care what anyone else says. He needs somebody. And we, we work for Showtime. You know, maybe he goes to top rank. Who the hell knows? Wherever he goes, if he doesn't end up working out with Zone, he needs to go to a place that's not going to make him wait for his main event uh, when the UFC show finishes. Right? It's, it, it's not yeah. just the tactics of that. It's the, it's the symbolism of it all. You're you never know, recovering
1: he, from that. That's yeah. a sin you cannot recover
0: from. He needs to go to a place that's not going to do that to him. And uh, I don't know if he'll work it out with his own or not. I mean, who the hell knows, right? I mean, court battles are just impossible to predict. But uh, I, I tend to think you're right. He can call his own shots, and he needs to be in a place that understands he can do that and then treats him like the kind of guy that he is. So we'll see. Uh, all right. For my odds in ends BC, we did have a Bellator over the weekend. We had briefly previewed it on Friday's show And it was a main event, James Gallagher getting back to action against Cal Eleanor. Well, James Gallagher made absolutely short work of him winning via submission in the first round. And basically, here's the deal. Cal Eleanor, I thought, was a decent international class fighter. He got run over in this one. It was not close in any dimension. Gallagher did exactly what he said he was going to do and everything you thought that he could and then some. Now, after the fight, he was like, I should get a title shot. Well, I don't know about all of that. But here's what I would say. He had that bad setback against Ricky Bandejas, but he, to me, got the reset that Bellator needed. Some of these guys, you know, they need a chance to just get a couple of gimme fights along the way. I don't think this was a gimme fight. I'm saying some of the other ones he might have had. And now he's at a point where getting him back in that bantamweight title mix where he fights somebody ranked moves his way up on an American show, a big, you know, if not a headlining spot, co-main event spot, something where he's a little bit more visible than just to the European audiences. I know that this aired on CBS Sportsnet, but what I mean is a show that takes place, you know, at the SAP Center in San Jose, and Scott Coker's doing big media days. He's got a big-name opponent that stateside fans know who he is as well. Something like that. It's not just that he has earned it. It kind of only makes sense at this point because he's too good for the level he's been at the reset is over it's done with it's time to march forward back into the top of bantamweight division i think see what he can do
1: yeah that's four wins in a row three by submission and look his ground game was really on point in this one he's looking like he's he's got it figured out so yeah title shot next no but let's continue to build him the right way and look he's a marketable feature guy he comes out like a badass he, he he's got a lot of Conor in him so uh, i don't think you run away from that if you're the promotion or him can we talk about Cal's tattoos, though, Luke? So he's got the tattoo on Titi, but it extends up the neck all the way up to where it's like a sideburn. He's got the tat sideburns. Uh, yeah. You on that? The yeah, I am. The tat beard,
0: too. It's, it's not for me, but, you know, millennials love tattooing their face. I don't quite understand it. It's a thing that they do. Um, I could see you with a teardrop right here, Luke. But I long maintain this BC. People disagree with me. Let's see where you're at on this. People say uh, MMA fighters have the worst tattoos. And let me let me just sort of olive branch a little bit here. I'm not opposed to the idea that that is true. What I'm saying is I have seen John Wall with his shirt off. John Wall's tattoos are as bad if not worse than virtually every other MMA fighter. You don't see MMA, or excuse me, you don't see NBA players quite as nakedly as you do MMA fighters. I think if you did it would, at a bare minimum, be a much tougher claim to make.
1: Are you trying to say, and, I, and I'm not saying you're trying to say this as a racially negative, but as a reality, because the NBA players have darker skin, we're not able to pick up as easily? How no. Well, you, how, no. No, no, because here... He,
0: the, no, no, because Eleanor is white, but his, he's got such dark colors, it all just looks like a jumbled mess. I don't mean that it looks like a mess. I mean, if you actually just look at the tattoo, what quality is it? How, how much did this person pay for high-level art? And if you go to these NBA fighter or NBA players, dude, they have really shitty tastes when it comes to tattoos. They don't go to very good places. So I would argue, like, like TJ Dillashaw, have you ever seen his sleeve? His sleeve is, like, legitimate art. Megan Anderson, legitimate art. John Wall just has a friend who scribbled on him.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with that. I mean, look, they, MMA does have the worst tats since biker gangs. But, yeah, there are some guys yes. at MMA and NBA who need to be called out. And, Luke, um. You're a hair guy at least, I mean, I've never, I've never seen you declothed and want to keep that going, but uh, there was a guy I once knew who could make what he called the uh the bod stash. He would have a mustache, Luke, that would go down in a full neck beard that would go and connect with the chest hair and be able to go all the way down, Luke, to the pelvic area. are ha, Do you have that ability through your Armenian blood to have a bod stash? Would you be into that? Are you hiding one right now?
0: I try to keep my wife happy. I don't think that's a thing I'm entertaining. Okay. You know what I'm saying?
1: Shout out to Mrs. Thomas. Thank you. That's right.
0: right. Uh, BC, the the viewers have homework. What is it?
1: So here's the deal. Um, We don't know, really know what this segment's called, but yes, every Friday we are going to review a piece of art, enjoy it. We are going to announce it on Monday to give you your time to handle it. And we kind of want to alternate. Luke picked last week. He had me watch The Dark Knight. This week, I'm going to pick. Maybe next week, Luke, we have the fans vote on a few choices here. But this week, look, that fight, the boxing fight we talked about, Ivan Baranchik getting knocked out by Jose Zepeda, all it did was give me old-school Prince Nassim vibes for his greatest fight, his mountaintop moment in that rise. So your homework this week, and you can find the full broadcast on YouTube, and please make sure you watch the full broadcast that has Prince Nassim's entrance because a lot of times that's as good as the fights. 1997, Madison Square Garden, featherweight championship. Prince Nassim Ahmed makes his U.S. debut against Kevin Kelly, the big-time slugger. And Luke, this is one of the most epic knockdown, out, rock 'em sock 'em robot-type fights. Larry Merchant afterwards called it the Hagler Hearns of the featherweight division. Uh, it's a great time for us to just re-examine all things that made Prince Nassim such an incredible draw from the entrance to the post-fight interview. This will be a fun little look back at a nice little piece of art there.
0: So, and so and Luke, something to note, Prince Nassim was years ago asked, like, who do you watch in boxing? Who do you pay attention to? And he's like, honestly, nobody. But I'll tell you who I, have, I do have my eye on, Conor McGregor. You know, Prince Nassim was not one of these guys who didn't understand a showman when he saw it because he had some blind allegiance. He gave credit where credit is due, so I think it's time we return the favor as MMA fans and take a look at some of his greatest work.
1: I mean, his power is insane, Luke, but what makes it great, along with the McGregor-like badassery that he shows, is the chances he takes in the ring are just insane. Hands down, squaring up, leaning back, doing all the things, like when Anderson Silva got knocked out against Weidman by leaning back, Hamed does that the whole fight. I mean, he just takes chances and backs it up with the power. This was his toughest test, uh, you know, until that that first loss of his career. Can't wait to relive it with you.
0: So, a couple of uh, pieces of uh, homework. We will tweet that link out at MMA. Excuse me, what am I saying? We will tweet that link out at Morning Combat. Um, but we have a bunch of social media you can follow morning combats on Instagram, morning combats on Twitter, morning combat is obviously on YouTube. We will make sure that we share that link at all the available places. So you guys can watch that. If you want to send us an email for any reason, question, comments, bitches, gripes, smart ass remarks, morning at gmail.com is the place to be. We're back on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive i don't want to give it away just yet but i think you know if you've seen anybody in the headlines we're gonna do a deep dive on them but um but yeah bc thumbs up on the video subscribe the whole nine yards if you want to try showtime for uh, you may go to showtime.com for a 30-day free trial and then last but not least get your merch get that merch uh, at uh, store.show that's s-h-o com anything else um
1: yeah we got uh we're gonna get into them later this week but showtime's giving you two fight cards this week right we got showbox wednesday night we got uh headlined by charles conwell and jay Jay, it's wednesday right showbox on wednesday am i right
0: i think that's right yes
1: all right and then then of course showtime uh championship boxing back saturday from the bubble with uh uh, all action welterweight at all times anytime you're going to get uh What's the guy's damn name? You know, I love the guy. He, every Anytime he fights, I love it. Wow, that was a great yeah, moment. Yeah, what a, what a
0: sell, sell job there, BC. So, great yeah, job. W-
1: watch the damn fight because it's going to be great. The guy who lost to, to, to Mikey Garcia. The, it was a war. You know the guy. All right, that's great. By the way, yeah, last
0: thing on this. I was reading my, uh, my favorite boxing site is badlefthook.com. And I was reading it, and they were listing the top ten boxing fights for October. And the top two they had as – they had Teofimo Lopez versus Lomachenko. And then, of course, they had Showtime's uh, Tank Davis versus Leo Santa Cruz. I was like, wow, those are two great fights. And then I was thinking about, like, this month for MMA, you know, when you've got Gaethje and Khabib and uh, UFC 254 generally and everything else. Dude, this is a great month for combat sports. This is a killer month. I mean, dude, like –
1: you know, we we relived, we we went through the uh the you know public press conference, or I'm sorry, the tele you know teleconference that Habib and Justin did. And it's just a reminder last week of how great this fight's going to be. But you just nailed that. I mean, you you sprinkle on Teofimo Lopez Jr. against Vasily Lomachenko is next week, For and free. you know, there's a lot of reasons that's pretty insane. And then good god, Tank Davis against Leo Santa Cruz, Halloween night, San Antonio in front of fans in the dome. Yeah, this is uh. You know, Habib Justin alone could have got me there, Luke, but we're going to have an incredible month, and it's Sergey Lipinets, the guy main eventing on Saturday, uh, brings it at all times for Showtime Boxing. So, yeah, lots to look forward to this week, Luke. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're hitting you, but... It's going to start unrolling, unloading, and un- inv- unveiling the bonus content, which, of course, includes uh, Luke Thomas live chat, dissected, a lot of good That's stuff. That's
0: right. Oh, I should tell folks that. The live chat this week will officially move on Thursdays to this channel. Now, nothing about it changes. I'm going to keep the same name just for the p- purposes of consistency. Um, but Thursdays, 3 p.m., it's going to be on this channel. So you're going to get content live four out of five days and then other kinds of content sprinkled all the way through so we, we promised you guys we were going to really start you know hitting the gas pedal and i think you're beginning to see that so thursdays 3 p.m right here on morning combat the channel okay uh all right Love bc it. great stuff as always we appreciate everyone who watched thanks to all the folks at Malca and showtime and cbs that's brian campbell i'm luke thomas until next time may all of your gains be loyal